everyone. My name is. Oh, a minute. Um, hi guys. Can you hear me? Yes. And my name is Liu, and hope you're all doing well. So today I'll be hosting our talk show, and um, today we have three guests. Um, they're all going to discuss a general topic, which is about the urban poor. And may I invite our three guests to turn on their camera? Yeah. Hi. So, um, let's welcome our first guest, Kunsan, and. Get started when you're ready. Okay, thank you so much. So let me just share my screen first. All right. Okay. So hi everyone. My name is Kun, and I'm a sophomore at Taishi Program. And today I'll be talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the urban poor, a case study of the Philippines. So today's topics are as follows. I'm going to start by giving a brief explanation on the current situation of COVID-19 in the Philippines, and after that I'm going to move on to COVID-19 restrictions in the Philippines. Well, we need this because to like to have a better understanding on the hardships that the poor face, and then after that I'm going to talk about the poverty in the Philippines. Even before the pandemic, and how um, COVID-19 pandemic um, affected the slums in Manila, and I'm gonna give you a, like a very short example of the life of a slum dweller during the pandemic, and after that, I'm gonna talk about what the government is doing for these people. So starting off, um, so this graph actually indicates the COVID-19 situation in the Philippines. So as you can see in the graph too, um, as of today, the number of COVID-19 cases is a little bit over um, 1.3 million, and among them, around 1.2 million people have recovered, and there were deaths of 23,000. And for vaccination, it is known that um, over 8 million vaccine doses have been distributed to the people, and which of eight, which of six million、um, were the first doses. And it can be said that the Philippines was one of the countries to efficiently control the spread of virus when the pandemic first started, but there were hardships for the poor people to actually follow these restrictions. So in the next slide,、um, I'm going to talk about these restrictions to understand the difficulties of the poor,、uh, difficulties of the poor. So, like I said, too, the Philippines was one of the countries with the most restrictive lockdowns, and with with the first lockdown starting from the mid of March. So people were put under a curfew, and for those who need to get food supplies for the family, the government、um, issued a special pass to move around. And then also there were police patrolling around, and if one was found violating the curfew or social distancing social distancing measures or not wearing a mask, he was given a punishment which varied from fines to detentions. But along with these strict measures, come the slum dwellers' lives falling apart. So okay, talking about the poverty in the Philippines,、um, even before the pandemic hits, the poverty has been a huge problem in the country since the late 1960s. But in the 2000s, 
the Philippines' economic boom and since then the country's been developing fast. But according to the economics, the poverty rate went down, but it was just the numbers on pages. And um, the reality was far different from what we imagined. The main problem for these people living in the slums was housing. Because um, before, these people were living on um, government-owned properties. But as economic progresses and the government sold these lands to private um, sectors uh, without actually having a plan of resettling these people, suddenly these people, the poor eventually lost their homes and they had nowhere to go. Oh, this is like the opposite, but yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give you an example of the life of a slum dweller during the pandemic. So I actually watched a YouTube video. Um, it's more like a documentary film about a life of a slum, slum dweller um, during the COVID-19. So in that, in that film they talk about their hunger and how the little how little the government did for them so for example the first one um this guy he was a former um jeep driver sort of and then like because of the pandemic he lost his job and he had to start collecting on trash for the day and sell them um just to earn 1.5 dollars which was just enough for him to buy rice for the day and for another family um, they had to start like collecting vegetable scraps and extra leftovers from the street vendors in the wet market so that she could feed her family and then like um, share, the, share the food among the neighbors. And how the COVID-19 pandemic actually affected these slums in Manila? So basically, slums are normally really crowded and dirty, which made it easier for the virus to spread. Um, for the people who are striving to just put food on the table, like hand sanitizers, face masks, and social distancing measures are, are like luxurious things. Yeah. And then like most of the people who live in the slums, um, they are like basic informal workers and they have no job guarantees. And then with the dismission of like nearly 11 million um, in 11 million jobs in informal sector, they no, they no longer had income to pay for the food. So at first they survived with the food and money they saved up, but that didn't last long. So they started to starve and do whatever they could to receive the food. And also there were like rumors that if they go out to the gatherings, they, they would like receive a bag of rice. But then these gatherings are prohibited by the government. So like these people who went out, they got caught and then like they were given a detention. And also the government was so like ignorant because like he asked like thousands of dollars to like thousands of dollars, like if they wanted to get out of detention. So like in this, in, in the documentary film, there was this like slum dweller who got caught and he said like it was, it cost it cost like around sixty-four thousand, oh no, sixty-four hundred, six thousand four hundred dollars to like get them out of detention. But then, yeah, they, they got the help from two celebrities. So yeah. Yeah, I think like these strict rules are good in a sense that it would like control the ordinary people from unnecessary gatherings. But then it wasn't really helping the poor. Because like soon the families ran out of money to send children to school because like they didn't even have enough money to feed themselves. 
So most of them, they had to survive on local community kitchens and community volunteers um, to receive food. But then like, so like basically this is like the poor helping the poor. So what actually was the government doing for these people? So in the next slide, I'm gonna talk about this. And so like two months into the pandemic, the government actually um, announced this social amelioration program. Sorry about the pronunciation, but yeah, which is which can also be shortened as the SEP. So basically, this is um, a package of emergency cash subsidy meant to be given out to um, 18 million low-income families. And this package includes cash support of like from $100 to $165 per month for up to two months. But is it even enough? Because like a sum dollars daily income ranges from around like 20 to $30 a day. And $100 was only a quarter of what a family of five um, needs to survive, like to buy food and to pay for the bills. Plus, like it, the aid like it comes really slow. So even after three months, there were around like five million um, families still waiting for the cash subsidy. Yeah. And then like um, due to these COVID-19 restrictions, uh, um, people were ordered to put on um, face masks but for those people, like like I said, too, but for those people who didn't even have food to eat, like face masks are luxurious items. Also, like instead of um, distributing these face masks for free, like the government actually put the stress on the poor to buy them, to buy for themselves. Also, like the local community kitchens and the volunteers were dependent on private donations. And like, so like, if you watch the video, like you can see that there were like a lot of kids crying because they were hungry, and um, that was actually really sad and like even after like six months after the pandemic like there was um no clear response or like um effective help from the from the government for those people living in these slums so like in conclusion like the pandemic and the little support from government just like make these people's life conditions much worse so like basically the quarantine um is the meaning of the quarantine is to like protect the lives of people right but then like for the poor it's a different story and then like um even the health minister of the country he said like um the what what, what the government like the government's rules for quarantine is like there was no consideration for the poor and like it's beyond it is even beyond humanity yeah and then like um, for those people who can afford like lockdowns and quarantines might feel like a long holiday, but then like um, who work for the day to buy food, the pandemic is a disaster. So like this poverty problem has been a long lasting problem and it's a circle that cannot be easily broken down. I feel like um, there are not enough policies and mechanisms to pull like to pull the poor out of this poverty trap. But yeah. And yes, that is all. And these are the references that I use for this presentation. And like, I actually have this video um, stuck onto here. So like, if you guys wanna check it out, please. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. So um, if the video is not that long, maybe you can share it. Oh, it's like an hour long. <laughs> ah. Thank you everyone for presentation and um, I have a question that um, 
it's it's like I can feel um, the poor people, the, the population um, of poor people is very, very high in Philippines. So I wonder if the um, uh, vaccination is offered for free or covered by the like medical um, insurance by the government or because I, feel, I can feel like some um, specific groups such as those who have financial difficulties or or like um, people who lo- lost their jobs they will like um, refuse the vaccination or testing because of the difficulties in finance so I just wonder if there's any like measures to provide financial support in vaccination or medical care in Philippines. So yeah, I heard that the vaccination is actually like provided for free by the government. Uh, yes. So that's why that's the reason why they can make a not low um, vaccination coverage rate, right? True, true. And then like um, surprisingly, like the I would say like the COVID nineteen cases in Philippines are like low. I would say. But then, like, I feel like the government actually did a really good job in, like, controlling the spread of the virus. But then, like, he, how do I say, like, he did not actually consider the, consider, like, how to improve the life, life conditions of these people. Did you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for explanation and any questions from our audience. Questions? Or, Quinton, yes. um, do you have anything to add on? Um, like um, the professors actually um have a raising hand sign, so. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't see. It. Um. Okay, thank you, Quinton. So I would like to know about the SAP program. Yes. Can you tell us more about that? Like, um, is it only limited to Manila, or is it only limited to the you know like the poor families? Wait, I heard that like it is only limited to like poor families, but not only in Manila. It's for like the whole country. Yeah, but then like um, it's like for a really short period of time, and I heard like after like a couple of months, this like this cash subsidy it was stopped. Yeah, yeah, like they like the poor families they could not receive like further financial support from the government. Mm. Yeah, I think it's somehow related to the you know database system because mm-hmm. for example in the case of Japan like everything is registered through the online system right. So mm-hmm. like you know for example like uh, which uh, family um, let's say have not received any subsidy from the government, but in case of uh, let's say the Philippines and other countries maybe because the registration system is not that developed yet so it's hard you know to monitor the subsidy and also the delivery I'm not sure like maybe some of you can share like the practice in other countries too what about you know like the social welfare program whether um, you know like sometimes like in Japan you do not really have to apply right like the government will send you like the later 
announcing that you are eligible for this uh, subsidy program, but I'm not sure in other countries. What about you know like uh, their um, let's say uh, activity or like their policy? Now, what about in Myanmar? In Myanmar? Oh yeah, I remember like the government was like giving out. Oh wait, I don't really remember. Like. Wait, I only remember like there was this like cash support system for like really like basic workers, informal workers who lost their jobs. But then like the pay was really low and then like the cash was like handed to the people in person. So like the process was really slow, sort of. Yeah. And then also like for the teachers who like so because of the pandemic, like the schools were closed, right? Mm-hmm. And then like for the teachers um, who don't have enough income, like the government actually allowed them to like, um, the government give them like two months worth of income for free, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah. So like there, those were like um, the social support programs. But then like other than that, like anything bigger than that, I don't really know. Especially for those who live in the squatters, like the slum area. So I think it's interesting, you know, like to know whether uh, they are actually receiving this kind of program or whether they are covered by the government. Because uh, let's say like the government has allocated some amount of budget, but whether, you know, like this money um, can reach these people is actually like a big question. Yes, true. Uh And then like in the case of Philippines, this SAP thing, like the government said that they're gonna give out to give out the money to the people but then like it really took time because like in the video i saw like um even after like a couple of months the families they still like haven't received their cash support so it's like i, I feel like the process in general was really slow because also because like you said like like you mentioned the data like processing thing wasn't like that developed yet to, like, yeah i wonder also whether uh happen because of the corruption in the, the local level if you know what i mean but sometimes like they already you know like distribute this amount of money or you know like other kind of um, uh, aid but uh, usually they pull it in the local level like the uh, some kind of the local administrative office and you don't know after that whether like you know the aid will be delivered to the people or not yeah i, mean, I, I don't know about that so it's just like so interesting to talk about this Maybe uh, any like other student can share like the experience from their home country. What about the social, uh, let's say, welfare program or COVID? Maybe uh, when you can ask anyone, <laughs> just point at someone. <laughs> Me, anyone? Uh, <laughs> Where? Uh, how do I see? How do I see the participants though? <laughs> Wait, I, I think I'm gonna just gonna um, stop sharing the screen first. Can just click view. Oh, oh, here. Okay. And then, like, wait, so, like, most of the people are from Japan, right? Oh, wait, I'm actually, like, interested in the case of Malaysia. Um, Momoka Ota, are you here? Momoko Ota, are you here? Uh, 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 sorry, um, I never lived in Malaysia before, but for Thailand, that's the place I live. Oh, yes. Um, they don't really have any social security or like social help instead like from the government I'm not 
Yeah. Unlike okay, for example, I know Japanese case because I watch a lot of Japanese news from and then I heard a lot of um newspapers talking from my dad. Um yeah, as everyone knows, Japanese government Japanese government um, they don't distribute um how do we say money or like financial support um immediately it's time to but for Thailand since they don't any security supported from the start before covid-19 and um, they didn't they don't that yeah um Thailand did not support anything and I'm not really sure for Malaysia but um Malaysia government is also one time not one time but they did not um financially support the poorer people oh, really yeah. Um, it's not like Japanese government. They don't um, subsidize from daily life to like before COVID nineteen. Sorry, I don't know if I made sense. My brain is a little bit sleepy right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was good to know, like yeah, about Thailand and about Malaysia. Yeah, like I remember, like last year, like last year I was living in Japan too, right? And then like I received like Jumayan from the government. Yeah, it's not for every. Uh, it, it 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 was mentioned that it's for everyone. Oh, it but, was um, everyone. But yeah, okay. But um, no one, not no one, but people at the end did not receive on time, or they just gave up while oh, yeah. like in the process. That is true though. Like I rather like they're like they can like receive it or they cannot receive it. How do I say? Like they have they have the choice. They can choose like whether to receive it or not. Sort of thing, but yeah, it's for it's for like all of the people. So yeah, yeah. it's I think com- it's different from every country. I guess I think so too. Yeah. Thank you so much for your answer. No worry. Thank you for a very specific discussion, and I feel like um it's a. It's a big pity for me to miss the Juman and financial support because I was just <laughs> entered Japan this year. So, <laughs> yes. Any other comments and or questions from our audience? Um, I think um, if if not, we can like, because we have time um time restrict. So maybe we can. On to our next guest. So thank you, Kunsang. So our next guest will be Ishimomoka. Hi. Hi. I'll share my screen. Could you do you mind just briefly introducing your topic? Okay. Uh, my name is Momoka. I'm a freshman in the Thai C program. My topic was the impact of COVID-19 on the urban poor, specifically focusing on the cases in the United Kingdom. Okay. 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 First, I'll start by talking about. What it means by urban poor? Urban poor is a type of poverty with the primary characteristic which occurs in industrialized societies. 
Urban poor usually emerge due to urban disparity. While cities are home to the wealthiest and healthiest, healthiest people in the country, it is also a home to the poorest and marginalized people on the planet. And 54% of the world's population live in the urban area, and in developed countries, one third of urban population, about 860 million people, live in a slum area. In many countries,、uh, many cities around the world, the percentage of deaths for poorest children are more than twice the number of those for the richest children. Uh, COVID has brought negative effects, especially in the poor areas of the world. Areas of the United Kingdom ha- was one of them. And in the UK, poor areas have higher mortality rates of COVID 19.、Uh, from March to April 2020, the poorest areas of England was England had 55.1 people per 100,000 people died from COVID 19. And in the richest part of the region, 25.3 people per 100,000 people in the richest area died. Sorry, there's one extra there here.、Uh, also in Wales, 44.6 people per 100,000 people in the poorest area died. And while on In the richest area, only 23.3 people per 100,000 people died from COVID 19. Okay, so this is the graph which shows the relation between degree of poverty and mortality rates. The horizontal axis, this one here,、uh, shows the degree of poverty. Smaller the number, higher the degree of poverty. As you can see from the graph, the mortality rate is very high on the left side of the graph, which is the area with a high degree of poverty. Next, I'll share some cases in Scotland, United Kingdom. A quarter of Scottish, cho- Scottish children are living in poverty, with the COVID 19 destroying the economy. Many more parents are struggling to put food on the table. I will share the situation of Melanie's family. She is a woman who lives in Scotland. She and her partner, Dean, have four children each, so eight, eight children in total. And they fell in hard times starting in 2020 when lockdown left Dean unable to work. Because they don't have enough money to provide food for the whole family, they feed children first and adults eat what's Left from、uh, their children. Melanie says that she sometimes steals a chip from children's plate. And she hopes for children to make leftovers so that there will be something for them to eat.、Uh, because they're in such a harsh condition, the family started to rely on food bank. But she does not want, she does not admit, want to admit that. They can't feed their family.、Uh, 
sometimes Melanie's kids ask her if they can go shopping for sweets. But she feels very sad and feels sorry for children because she has to say no. Because there's not enough money for them to buy sweets. Melanie says that not only the food bill, but also she has to worry about the energy payment. Due to the COVID and COVID-19 and lockdown, children are staying at home all day, which means parents have to provide three meals a day and snacks. And also extra energy is needed for preparing food and entertainment like television or games. So more cost for it costs more on electricity. There are many families like Melanie's where Parents give top priority to their children's meals and they go without it. And many families have received help from the food bank since the pandemic started. And one charity in Scotland delivered 290,000 meals to families by the end of 2020. A UK food bank user rose by a third in a year as the COVID-19 pandemic left more people without the money to buy necessities. However, many parents feel bad to get support from the charity because they believe that there are many more families that need support than them. Some people feel embarrassed to ask for help and they feel that there's stigma attached for getting help. COVID is not only causing hunger in many homes, but also tiredness and anxiety. One family in England had one mother and five children living in one hotel for more than five months. Only two of her children are going to school. Teachers say that t- students are not in school as often because it is too difficult for them to go to school because of Social aspects and impact on children are quite devastating for them. Uh, to improve this situation even a little, some schools have started to offer free breakfast and free bus passes. Another case in the UK, Blackpool is a city, it's a seaside and tourist town, and many work workers worked in the cafe and shops before the pandemic. And due to the pandemic and the lockdown, many workers lost jobs or fur- furloughed. Uh, because town was strongly dependent on tourism and the holiday trade. Also, people were not expecting to have a second lockdown, so everyone thought that they were going back to work after the first lockdown, and there is no need for getting support. But things got got worse um, in the second round. So what would happen, what would the future look like? Uh, Poverty situation have gotten worse as a result of pandemic. This graph shows 
the start of the poverty population as of October 2020. The first column is the pre- predicted number of poverty before the COVID, which is called the baseline. And the second column is the actual results and the future expectations as of October 2020. Before the COVID, poverty was on a path of steady reduction. In most countries. However, the number of poverty rose by 120 million people from 2019 to 2020. And the 2020 figure was way over the baseline. In predicting of the future, the numbers are expected to get lower. But even in 2030, Uh, the poverty numbers could still be higher than the baseline by 60 million people. We can tell from the graph that COVID 19 affected the world economy destructively, not only for the current society, but for the future also.、Uh, my opinion on this topic is it is sad that the population of poverty is increasing, but losing work is inevitable in this pandemic situation. So, I think what we can do as citizens is to provide an environment where people, poor people can ask for, help, ask for help without hesitating. To make this happen, we need to understand that many people are having a hard time due to COVID 19 and that, that there are some people in poverty. I believe we should not have prejudice. Towards them, and instead, we should try to help people by giving food, giving some food, and telling them that using charity is not a bad and a shame thing. Thank you. This is all for my presentation. Thank you. Firstly,、uh, any questions or comments from our audience or professor? Okay, um, so um, I'll ask my question. So, um, I think I just feel like as a um, the United Kingdom is a developed country, right? So, um, I guess um, like the people in United Kingdom, um, not only in their personal saving, but also the like. Average living standard is relatively high than the developing countries. So, I just guess many of the urban poor in the United Kingdom might be like homeless people or even refugees. So, my question is the um is the United Kingdom's policy like um supporting to the poor people? Um, is there any like Discrimination、um, against people who like in the condition of homeless or or like have no status or citizenship in UK. If there、uh, if there is any discrimination,、uh, there are some homeless and poor people, poor white people there in in the UK, and they are called chav. So I think it's kind of like discrimination that. 
those low class people are being called as the name Chad. Uh, I'm not sure about the support from the government for those low class people. Yeah, sorry for that. Thank you for thank you for explanation. And um do you, um do you think that as a developed country um does the United Kingdom has any like advantages? Um, compare with the uh, other developing countries, like um, if the only um, if the only advantage of United Kingdom is like the like a more sufficient um finance condition or like a more scientific um um political system or or like they they are able um they are able to um. Implement more, like more effective measures. Any any advantage? I think UK makes their own vaccines, and seventy percent of the country have already vaccinated two times. So, uh, compared to other countries, the UK will have uh, will have past time to recover from. This pandemic. Thank you. Um, hello, guys. Um, I just wanted to um give new information about Malaysia and Thailand subsidies because I gave in wrong information just now. I have um I, I've done a little bit of research. So Malaysia, um, in terms of Malaysia, um, they don't have to pay tax amount a、uh, um, certain amount of tax for. Last year during COVID nineteen、um, pandemic, and everyone will get two hundred ringgit subsidies. So I'm not really sure how much in Japanese yen.、Um, so I guess that 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 is not really much, but they do get.、Um, everyone will get two hundred ringgit subsidies from the government. And for Thailand's case, there's a policy called fifty to fifty policy. So、um, if you buy hundred sixty baht.、Um, Worth of goods, you pay eighty, and then the government will pay thirty eighty, and、um, but and that will only be for certain shop or like certain shopping malls or certain supermarket, and then you can accumulate that until six thousand baht. So you can、um, shop every time, and then、um, the government will subsidize subsidize fifty percent of your consumption. That's all for me. Sorry for the wrong information I gave you earlier. I have done a little bit of research. Can I can I jump into like thank you so much, Momoko, for the for the. No worries. But then,、yeah. like, wait, I, I want to know that like that post kind of programs are they like active till today or like was that?、Um, so, uh, sorry. Um, for in terms of paying taxes, um, certain amount um was cut was until last year to um year twenty twenty. So、um, I think from this year onwards, since the economy is coming back gradually,、um, they don't the the law not law but the cut of、um, tax is not valid today. I see. I see. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you.
then Momoka, can I ask you a question? Like it's a it's a very tiny question, but then like okay. um in your in your presentation, like about the case in Scotland, like you mentioned that it was like difficult for the children to go to school. Mm-hmm. But then what was the reason actually for them to go to school? Because the schools weren't open, it's not like that, right? Yeah, because they have to live far away from yeah. place where they used to live. Yes. Because uh, they can't afford to live in the place they used to live. So huh? many people, yeah, some are staying in the hotel room. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Sorry, I think I missed that. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Wait, guys. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm. I was mistaken. I read the wrong part of the um website. Um, Malaysia economy is the second worst in the Asia after India. There's still a Southeast Asia, and then there's a lockdown. I'm so sorry. I'm reading the wrong page between Thailand. Thailand the economy is getting better in terms of like government subsidizing the um export is like. Um, how do we say um, international borders starting to open? There's Chinese tourists going to get, but for Malaysia, the economy is getting worse. The lockdown is until end of this uh, end of July, end of this month. I'm oh, sorry, end of June. Oh, oh, June. Okay. Yeah, sorry for giving so many wrong information. I'm like confused with so many websites right now. So no, sorry. Really, thank you so much for researching it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, any other? Last and last question, maybe. Uh, I'm interested in, you know, like uh, you mentioned about this family, they stay in the hotel. So, I would like to know who is actually paying for the, uh, you know, renting fee. Is it like by the government? Is that like one a kind of like a new policy uh, for, you know, like the poor families who cannot afford um, like housing? I think it's quite interesting to, you know, talk. Uh, it didn't mention in the video I watched, so I'm not really sure about that. But I think I'll research on that after my presentation. Okay, yeah, I think um, I mean like it's quite interesting because as you know that uh, throughout the COVID nineteen, like the hotel, you know, uh, like the tourism, sorry, hospitality sector, they also you know got this kind of. Uh, impact from the COVID-19 and if the government can actually you know give some subsidies to these um, lodging uh, services so maybe somehow they can still survive uh, but maybe you know like the um, hotel is not uh, that you know uh, expensive right maybe it's just like the low star hotel I guess yeah it's a small room one room so I think it's not expensive but I don't know if it's paying for them, so yeah, I'll, uh, I mean like with that, uh, five kids or four kids? Five kids. Yeah, yeah it's hard to live in one small yeah. bathroom with like a five kids. It's more likely like a hell, I can say, you know, especially because they don't go to school and then like, you know, like the mom, I think it's a single mom, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so you can imagine how hard it is for, you know, like uh, many white people in the UK also so we sometimes we only think that this COVID-19 only affected the developing country but you know like from this presentation maybe we realize that actually like many people are actually suffering from this pandemic.
not only the developing country but also the developed countries. I think it's really good presentation. Thank you, Monica, for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, it, do you have anything to add on? If not, I think. Do you have anything to add uh, on? I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm okay. Okay, thank you. Thank so, you. I think we can pass our time to our last guest. Um, Yanagi Haramomoka. introduce the topic and you can get started started anytime. Yes. Um, let me share my screen. Can you share can you see my screen? Sorry I I can't oh you can't see. Yeah it's showing black. Is it okay if I um, log out and come back in again? Yeah, I'm sorry. So you, while Momoka is away, <laughs> try to leave this talk show, okay? Uh, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I think... Um, well, let, let me just try to ask some questions to you guys. I think... Um, like um, because today's topic is about um, urban poor, or poor people. So, do you think the government has more, um, how to say that, um, has more obligation to help those people who are in financial difficulties? Um, because, like we all know, their life, their lives are more vulnerable then those people are in good economic condition when they lose their jobs or need to expand a lot on medical care. So, yeah, do you think the government has more obligation to help those people who are, who are in financial difficulty? Sorry to interrupt. Can you see see my screen oh, you're, you're back sorry so yeah, um, sorry. But, but i still it's um still can see yeah if it's okay can you send it to me so i can um, oh yeah or you yeah. can put it in the chat i'm sorry for the while waiting you please ask someone <laughs> you can just you know like on someone to answer your question um let's let's ask Kunsan again, maybe. Alright. Well, I think like it's a very difficult situation for the government too. Mm. Mm. 
<laughs> but then like looking from the cases of Philippines and from the case of the UK like I think like the government is doing what he can do but then like but then like how do I say like like I said like the, this poverty cycle is really difficult to break so like even if the government is actually trying to help them I think it's gonna take time to like finally like get them out of poverty yeah I think it's gonna take a lot of time and then like until then like these people they're still gonna suffer I think but then like I also feel like um the I don't think if it's gonna be fair or not but then like I feel like the um the rich people the celebrities like they can like campaign to like donate more to people too like not only like depending on these celebrities too can also help maybe like rather than just depending on the on the government alone i don't know if that answers the question but that's just my opinion that's just a question i i i immediately um, uh, remind of so it might not be that logical but thank you for sharing <laughs> and yes i think professor is able to um show the yeah, slides thank you, professor i'm sorry again for the technical difficulty is it okay if i start Uh, okay. If you want to go to the next slide, please uh, tell me, okay? Okay, so my um, my presentation will be the case study in Japan, and I think Momoka focused more on the family side of the case study, but I'm going to focus on the individual people who are not married. Can you go to the next, next slide? This is my table conference and next slide, please. Thank you. So I'll start with the first case study. It's a homeless man in the Shinjuku station. And the man um, who's holding the sign, it says, please help, I'm struggling because of Corona. And he's sitting at like a corner in the station. And he's a 35 year old man who lost his job because of COVID-19 and he hasn't been able to find a job. He stayed at a friend's house for a while, but he couldn't be dependent on them forever. So now he lives on the streets and the government um, provides these homeless people with hotel rooms as temporary accommodation. But um, when the interviewer asked this man, he was unaware about this um, accommodation and he didn't know how to receive the aid. And the second case study is a 42-year-old um, unemployed woman, and she has an associate's degree and has um, worked at numerous places as a non-regular employee. And when the interviewer um, approached her, she was like very thin and only had a dress and a pair of pants. Um, so she didn't have any belongings, she didn't have, she barely had um, any clothes that she was wearing. And during the interview, she stated that um, I only had 103 yen to my name and I've been living just on cup noodles for the past two weeks and I've been 
thinking if my money runs out, I'll pick up food off the street. That's what the woman said. And this woman um, lost her job um, cleaning the student dormitory in October of last year. And there was rumors that everyone was going to get cut. But she told her employer that she was willing to leave because she didn't she didn't want to get caught by them. It was her pride. And, but this led to like numerous problems because on her unemployment notice, it says that she left with her own will and she couldn't receive unemployment benefits. Like if you get unemployed, you can receive money from the government, but she wasn't able to get that until two months later because she quit at her own will. And she started looking for a job, but this was extremely difficult for her because of her age. She was 42 years old, so like, getting a new job in your 40s is a, like, a completely different story. And she's only been working as a non-regular employee, so she didn't have this like uh, one skill that she could use as her like to her advantage. So. She applied to over 200 job applications, but she only got um, callbacks for interviews from 20 places, and still she got rejected. And so she's not, she hasn't been able to get a job, and she went to the ward office to receive an emergency like, fund for like, public loans. And there, she didn't get a really good um, reply from the ward office, and she only got like a chance to speak to the employee for only five minutes, and she was rejected um, getting help from them because um, she was going to receive the um, unemployment benefit in two weeks, and they said that if it's just two weeks from now, please do something about it yourself. Um, there are people who got it worse than you, and. A really sad story because she only had 103 yen on her and still the ward rejected her from helping because uh, they thought they'll get uh, she'll get the help she needs in two weeks and i think it's really hard to survive with 100 yen for two weeks so and another problem that she had was she couldn't talk to her friends and family um she was afraid of losing her friends because all her friends had a family they were married they were stable and they were like living a perfect or normal life and she also couldn't tell her parents because um, they were getting older and she didn't want to rely on um, her parents and also her father was a really strict person so she couldn't apply for public assistance welfare that's like another program because she was afraid that they would contact their family and she didn't want her father to know that she was in this situation because uh, she thought she would be verbally attacked by her father and with um, the rejection from the ward and she was unable to find a job so she um, went to the adults canteen um, that's like a place where um, they provide food and support to um, 
people in need and she hasn't like her immediate response was like she didn't want to rely on that type of um, service because she thought that was for the extremely poor people but like she was at the point that um she was so hungry and she was so desperate that she needed that support and she was able to receive food and money to um, cover like the minimum living expenses and yeah so that was her story so i'll briefly cover the statistics um in japan and the pandemic has severely impacted the non-regular workers or like the day laborers in japan and the number of unemployed people has increased about 360,000 people last year and it sums up to a total of 1.98 million people in Japan and also 970,000 um, non-regular workers lost their jobs um, as a non-regular worker and through, just, through like these statistics you can see how much people are unable to find a new job after getting fired and without a solid income many are like left on the streets like the two case studies that i introduced and there has been a decrease in non-regular workers because these workers are very easy to uh, cut off and they often work in industries that are severely impacted by covid such as like the hotel industry or um, the travel traveling industry where like the industry as a whole is being impacted um, by covid next slide, please. so next i will like to talk about how the government is accommodating for this situation so the tokyo metropolitan government has provided thousand hotel rooms for the homeless people since December of um, December 21st, 2020. But as of January 4th, 2021, only 235 people have used the program. And also more than 200 people had lined up in front of the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Building to receive food on January 9th. And the number of recipients um, for this service was 2.5 times higher than the previous year. So throughout like, these two like accommodations, um, we can see how the government is trying to support the people, uh, support like people in need, but people are not getting the support. For instance, in the first case study, the man said um, he only heard about the program, but he was unaware if he was eligible or he didn't know how to receive the aid and I think the government should have to work on spreading the information that they have these kind of services for instance like government should um, put these types of information um, in places where many poor or homeless people um, gather like for instance many people um, stay at internet cafes overnight and I feel like government should put these like advertisements or 
this information in those places like internet cafes so the information would directly go to people in need in addition um the sign that um sugasan is holding up it says um self-help um mutual assistance and public support in the kanji and for mutual assistance it's coming from the private groups in forms of like food banks or the canteens and i think for self-reliance people are like trying their best to search and apply for jobs like the second case study but i think the government has to um up their game for public support because they're clearly not providing enough of that and even if they're providing it they're It's not being used by um, the people in need. Okay. Um, next slide, please. And I would also like to talk about like issues with like the societal issues that's um, impacting um, that's uh, impacting the poor in um, Japan. So I think in Japan um, there's an idea where. poverty is a personal responsibility and like in the second case study um, many people are in, unable to speak up to their close friends or family to receive help and many feel that like going to like these government accommodations canteens is embarrassing because it's like they're, they, they're admitting that they're in this really bad situation with this trend governments cannot be like waiting for people to use this service and government has to like approach and persuade these people that like you can receive support and we will help you so i think um, i think a lot of japanese people don't have the courage to um speak up for themselves so I feel like government has to realize that trend and they have to um, give out support themselves. And also I think women are impacted the most in terms of like, economic hardships um, during the COVID times because many of them work as non-regular workers in retail, restaurants, or hotels. And these industries are like heavily impacted by COVID. these um, women non-regular workers are the first to be fired so and also I read that it's very difficult for women to speak up and seek help and then you don't feel like comfortable lining up with other like homeless men in for example campaigns and they're like hesitant to seek help from um, government officials So I think um, this general trend that women are uh, unable to, I think there's a general trend that like, women are unable to um, seek, seek help from, for themselves. And one slide that was, uh, one quote that was really um, shocking to me was, says it's a very Japanese system. Everyone has the legal rights to use it. but society doesn't, does not necessarily tolerate that. So this quote is talking about like these accommodations and 
everyone is allowed to use these accommodations. But I think there is like this stigma that it's like there's a stigma in society that it's not good to seek help and it's not good to admit that you're poor. So I think there's a lot of we hmm, have to change these societal views in the Japanese society in order to in order for people to be um, have better access to these accommodations. Next slide, please. And this is my last slide. And I think in the la um, last slide, I focused on the issues with. The Japanese society, but now I would like to focus on issues with the government response and like why this situation is occurring. So I think first, the first issue with the government is they don't have, they they're lacking with priorities. So the government, um, like after living in Japan for half a year, I really realized how the Japanese government isn't clear of what their main priority is. So they have continuous like state of emergency declarations to contain the infection uh, infection rates, but also they promote services such as the go to campaign to support the economy, and they're also um, focusing on the Tokyo Olympics right now, and that's one of their higher priorities. And I feel like since the government isn't clear on what they want to tackle first, um, everything is. Half white, and I think uh, one quote that stuck out to me from the research was, um, as a result, the state of, state of emergency declarations have become just a routine, and the public has gradually ceased to take them seriously. So, I think since the government isn't clear of what their main goal is, what their first priority is, um, people. Aren't um, less people are cooperating with the government, and I think uh, with the recent uh, state of emergency, um, it didn't feel like a state of emergency because it was really normal, and we could go out. Well, restaurants closed at eight, but we could do anything until then, and there wasn't this sense of like urgency and like. There wasn't this sense of like um, emergency and this declaration, um, and I think that comes because of the government's response. And like, the government isn't clear of what they're trying to do, so I think that's one issue. And the second issue is the silo mentality in the Japanese society. Silo mentality is when like. Different members of the same organization is reluctant to share valuable information with others, and the silo mentality like applies to the Japanese government and the citizens because the government isn't fully op fully op open on the information about COVID, and I think citizens are like Japanese people are unsatisfied with the government's response because they don't understand the reason or point behind. The regulations, and I think J Japan hasn't been able to improve the situation through these multiple state of emergencies and with like the very 
slow vaccination process because like, there's a fundamental issue of lack of cooperation um, even within the government and also with the citizens. And the last issue is um, there's a common um, idea in Japan that like it will all work out. And I believe like Japan's response is very passive in terms of lockdowns and vaccinations and they're really slow in taking action for lockdowns. Like, they have to have multiple meetings within the government before they are able to declare like, the state of emergency. And I think they didn't also Japan didn't try to invent vaccinations. Um, I feel like um, the United States or the, the UK, they they were they were investing a lot of money into making these vaccinations so they could um, slow down the spread of COVID and resume the economy. But I feel like Japan was more like laid back and they had this mentality of oh like some other country will develop it and we can use it for like, we could use what they invent. So I think um, there's issues with the Japanese um, society and um, the, the mentality within the people, but there's also issues with how the government is responding and how they are um, they are like distributing information to the citizen. Yeah, and next page is the references and that's it thank you um i particularly like your, your discussion on the awareness about priorities in epidemic prevention so it, it was very interesting so um thank you um since this is a case that is in japan so i i guess you you're all pretty um, familiar with this with, with the condition in Japan, and you must have a lot to share, right? So, yeah. <laughs> any comments or questions or, or things you want to share? Oh, we got a we got a message in chat box from Ota Momoko. thought about I never thought about this so no I haven't seen this piece before but I'm wondering if like are these people able to find new jobs because I feel like they're relying on like musical like because they're unable to find good job that would um, give them a lot of money. 
so what's about the um the the women's the the women's case you mentioned um I just curious about um if um is there any like social welfare or um um subsidy that she didn't um completely um utilized or enjoyed like which can I mean make his that top experience better. The case study that I shared, she had a lot of problems with her own. Like she, um, she didn't think that she would like be in this really bad situation. So she didn't apply for everything that she could. And before she knew it, she only had 100 yen left. So it was, I think it was partly her fault that she didn't um, full, fully utilize Um, what she can apply for, but I so I also think that comes from like the Japanese system of applying for um, these um, accommodations because I feel like the application process is too too hard and too like mendokusai. Um, like it's you have to fill out all these paperwork, you have to provide all these proofs before you can get the. Um, accommodation, and I think, like, yeah, it was partly her fault that she didn't apply for it. But it's also like something to, um, something that the government has to improve on because, yeah, no one would wants to go through all that application, right? So I think yes. it's something that the government can improve. Yes, it makes sense. Can I just made a comment on that? <laughs> yeah. So like I think yeah I agree with you that it is like partially her fault and then the application process is like difficult to understand and like I also think it is also because of the social pressure that you mentioned like they don't want to be seen poor, right? So like they don't want to apply for that but then like they're actually like needing these help and stuff. Yeah, I think like that all combines. And then I feel like the government actually, yeah, I think the government has to like improve on the processing, um, the paper processing work, and also like I think I also think that is important to like, um, to like sort of delete that idea that like you don't want to be seen for. Yeah. yeah, I think the the stigma around. True, true, true. Yeah, they have to. People have to change that stigma, and they have to be educated more, right? True. Yeah, I think like it's just important to like raise awareness, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, but your presentation okay. was really interesting. Thank you, Momoka. Oh, thank you. I just want to make a comment. I feel like stigma is uh, really seen in developing countries like UK and Japan. I think those people. People in those countries have pride in themselves that they are not poor and they don't want to be considered considered as poor. So maybe that's a problem in developing countries. Yeah. Developing countries. Yeah. Uh, De- developed country. Yeah, oh, sorry. oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like, for instance, other countries don't see Japan as. Like a poor country, they like 
they think, oh, everyone's living a good life. And I think um, when I was researching, there's a lot of like terms such as hidden poverty, and these people who are poor, they're not um, brought up on media, and they don't, they're not like given attention on. So I think that's one factor that's creating this stigma. And, I think that it's really interesting. Thank you for sharing this, Mwaka. Um, I wonder whether, like, uh, I mean, for uh, the young Japanese society, um, whether you can actually like create a new term for uh, this kind of situation. So maybe the term of poor uh, or like dealing with poverty is too sensitive for many, you know, like uh, Japanese because it's about the price. So maybe we can create like a different term to help them. For example, like during this time, you can receive this kind of benefit. But it doesn't mean that you are poor. You're just like someone who needs this help or something like that. So I think um, we need to create like more innovation, you know, to help these people. For example, like uh, we can deliver the, the food or like uh, any kind of support um, in a you know like uh, different ways so we did not really expose them as the receiver, uh, the receiver of the benefit or I'm not sure like how to do it because actually like uh, Indonesian and Japanese they do have like uh, different characters like Indonesian sometimes they pretend that they are poor <laughs> maybe Jin knows about this in order to get the benefit even though they have money they will say that oh no I don't have money so I will uh, apply for this kind of you know like a subsidy but maybe for the Japanese they have like a uh, and I wonder whether like um, there are actually many food stations that can help you know like these people like the food bag is it like common I mean like I, I think that during the social design class you were dealing with this issue isn't it yeah yeah right 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 so what do you think about this is it possible I mean for for us especially like we are talking about this issue to create such system to help you know like these people I feel like a lot of like private like, uh, NGO groups are they're trying and like I've read in many like articles how they are like they exist but I feel like they are only um, they're not in every city and I feel like they're in Abatsuku, Shinjuku and like like the major cities but I feel like people don't have access to they don't have they can't pay the train fees to go there so I feel like um yeah oh, how can we reach them actually right can they pay for the mobile fee how can we reach this I feel like the these groups have to go to them and be in places that is easy to access and I think it's mainly for it's mainly targeted for like these um, homeless people and they open it up in those types of neighborhoods but I think there's also people who are struggling because of low wages they have a home but they can't pay for food like and I think those people aren't in those big cities so I feel like not realistic, but I feel like it, 
has to be um, these services in many different places, not just in big major cities or stations. To discuss about this, about the transient poverty, because um, I mean it's pretty sad to hear that she only has like 100 yen, you know, like despite your pride. But like 100 yen, if you just you know lose the money, then it will be over. Uh, yeah, and, uh, how can we actually like help these people? Whether for example, like in the restaurant, we can put out some ads that they can actually apply for the food, or uh, I'm not sure how to do it actually. So. Yeah, I think it's really a good topic for the young people in Japan to discuss about it. How can you help each other? Like in UK, I think like Momoka, the you see Momoka talk about, um, you know, how the poor people actually, you know, help the other poor people. So this is actually interesting to um, talk about how we can actually help our peers in Japan because I think you guys understand the characteristics. They are different from, you know, like the things that we uh, often read in the poverty book so I think like Japan's uh, poverty is a little bit special so how can we address this issue and I hope that after taking this class you guys can somehow think about how to address this thank you Momoko for sharing this is so interesting thank you thank you for sharing and thank you for professor's questions and any other things to add on from our audiences? I just want to add to the question that <laughs> Professor asked for my presentation. Uh, the, the case about one mother and five children living in the hotel room, it was the, uh, the, the mother lost job due to the COVID and they became homeless. So the council designed the accommodation was de designed by the council, and it was supposed to be a temporary temporary accommodation. But they ended up living there more than five months. And I want to share one video, a short clip. Yes, please. This is the place where they live. It's very small room and very dirty. The room is very small and cramped. Yeah. So, yes, thank you, Ishimoka. And um, I think um, these are all for today. And if there is nothing to add on, um, thank you for your um insightful and solid presentations today and i'm sure we've all learned a lot from your introduction so yes thank you so um if there's nothing to add on we can just yes 
end this session, I guess. So, yes, see you next week. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.